Hi, everyone. You're listening to Who I Met Today, and I'm your host, Pam Lamp. I'm all about doing one tiny new thing every single day. And on this podcast, I invite you to come along with me and discover something new through conversations with people from all walks of life. I hope you enjoy listening to these interviews and exploring new territory with me. For more people stories and episodes, please visit my website, whoimettoday.com. My guest today is Emily McNulty. Six years ago, Emily stepped down from her career in public health and stepped into her dream job. Along with her brother, Eli, Emily is now the innkeeper of Mamere's Guest House, a charming bed and breakfast in Monmouth, Oregon. Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. You know, I have been to Willamette Valley in Oregon one time. It was such a beautiful area. And you're lucky enough to live and work there. So if you could tell everyone where that part of the world is situated, including the Mamere Guest House, I know we'd all appreciate it. Absolutely. So yes, our family owns Mamere's Guest House, which is the bed and breakfast vacation rental, and also a small event venue as well. And we are located in Monmouth, Oregon, which is the home of Western Oregon University. So that's kind of our claim to fame. Close to the Willamette River, about 20 minutes west of Salem and about an hour and a half south of Portland, just to give you some kind of context in terms of the state. You said that you own the guest house. How did that come to be? It's kind of an interesting backstory. So I I run the B&B with my brother, Eli, and we're two of four. So we have two other siblings as well that have also been involved in the business in one way or another. But we're all from Southeast Alaska on an island called Prince of Wales Island. And while I was coming home for the summers from college, I got to work at a bed and breakfast there. And ever since that experience, I just always wanted to run a B&B. I felt like it was a calling almost. Um, I love people. I love chatting about the area where I live. I love to be a hostess. And this kind of captures all of those things. And I, when my husband and I moved to Monmouth, got to know the previous owner of this business. It was an existing B&B. Just kind of asked if I could come hang out and learn about it with no intention of buying this particular historic property. But the stars aligned and our family had the opportunity to buy it. And six years later, it still feels like one of the best decisions I've made. I'm going to backtrack just a bit. Where did you go to college? So my husband and I met at the University of Alaska in Fairbanks, so way up in the interior part. So I've lived in several different places in Alaska, and I got my master's degree in something totally unrelated to this field whatsoever, but that is what brought us down to Oregon. I got it at Oregon State University, which is located in Corvallis, and we moved down from Alaska and never left. We just fell in love with the Willamette Valley and Oregon in general. You know, I have to say, I am not sure I've met someone who grew up in Alaska before. May I ask what your parents did in Alaska? Oh, absolutely. Yes. So we, and I really just went to high school and college there. My siblings really grew up there more, but they are, my parents are both pharmacists and they owned an independent pharmacy on the island where we're from. And that actually factors into this whole story because About the time we found out this place was for sale, they sold their pharmacy and were looking for an investment. 
And so that is one reason this was able to come about. So my parents bought the property and then really have let Eli and I just make it our own and run it as a business. Are your parents here now or with you now? Yes, we've kind of had a mass exodus from Alaska. My husband is also from Alaska and several of his family members have come down as well as mine. So our parents do live in Monmouth and they do get to help out on occasion if we're short staffed. My mom will help in the kitchen or help with cleaning. My dad can do outside stuff. So it really is a a family enterprise to be sure. A family affair. So tell us a little bit about the guest house, the history and so forth. It is a really neat house. We like to say, you know, it is quirky. It was built in 1891, so you cannot sneak around. That just is (laughs) the nature of the house, although most people really seem to understand that and respect it. It's had a very colorful history, and most of that history has been tied to our local university. So it was a boarding house for most of its life. In fact, it has kind of a good girl power story. It was built by a dad and his wife, whose daughter was in the first cohort of women to go to the university. And at the time, there was nowhere for women to live. So they built this house with the intention of it being a place for women to live and be able to go to school. And they operated as somewhat like the den parents of the the home and the kids that stayed here. And it's just, it's been that off and on for most of its life. And it's also been a bed and breakfast too at different times in its history. Now, did I read at one point it was condemned? That is correct. So there was a family in the 80s that purchased it. And when they purchased it, it was very run down. We've actually heard some great stories. We've met people that have lived here in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. And they talk about having wild animals that lived in the house with them. And it was just almost a cheap flop house at that time. So this family purchased it really are credited with bringing it back to its former glory. There had been some additions. They removed those additions, brought it back to its former footprint and did a lot of restoration projects. So that's the only reason it's viable as a bed and breakfast today because of their hard work. And am I correct that it's on the National Register of Historic Places? That is correct. Yes. So the previous owner right before us, she did a lot of the work to gather the information that was necessary for that. It's a big process. And as you can imagine, there are some requirements that go along with being on the registry. But really, the main intent is that we keep it up and that we preserve history. And and that is very much a value of ours. And that's important to us. We feel like this property has a strong connection with the community. And we want to honor that and preserve it and keep it up and use it. We want it to be a space that's used. And I know you do host events and meetings and and weddings, but tell us a little bit about the spaces that you have and the decor that you have. Yeah. So the, the decor is funky. It is fun and colorful. If you were to look at the outside of the house, you would immediately think Victorian. And we have opted not to go that route with the decoration. So most of our rooms have actually a beautiful wall or ceiling murals. So it's colorful and eclectic. We want it to be a place where people can sit down and feel like they're not going to break anything, that it's comfortable and cozy, very clean. We pride ourselves on that. The house itself is a bright blue color with many shades of blue. We actually had it repainted fairly recently and the painters hated it because there's six different shades of blue. 
<laughs> but that's important. It's a wood-sided house. And so you have to keep up on all of that. But anyway, so the house is just fun. We get told quite a bit it has good vibes. It's just a space where you want to come and be. And of course, it's probably not the decor that you would have in your own house. But I think that's the fun of going to a bed and breakfast. In addition to the main house, which is where all of our guest rooms are, and we have five guest rooms, we also have a building that's adjacent that it's called the carriage house. And it is the place where the former carriage house stood when there still were carriages. And so we have converted that space to an event space. So we can rent it out for weddings and showers, birthday parties, retreats. We've had board meetings there. And then we have a one-bedroom apartment on the top. And that's where Eli lives. So he is our oh. on-site innkeeper. Okay. And do you you do not live at the end then? I don't. My husband, he's super supportive of this dream. And he was totally on board with the bed and breakfast. But one stipulation was we kept our own house. And that was a good decision for us. We have a four-year-old and a seven-year-old. So that would be fun for no one in the mornings. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure some days you feel like you live at the end. You put in so many hours. And definitely hear a lot. Each day is so very different, but it's been fun. Our, our daughter, who is seven, Olivia, we've owned it since she was two. And she just thinks this is her second house. There's a couple of reasons for that. One is that Uncle Eli or Uncle E is here. So she gets to see him. And we are right next to Main Street Park, which has a beautiful playground and splash fountain in the summer. So just a great place to be. Now, I went onto the internet and looked up your reviews, which are gushing. One woman went so far as to say, no matter your level of pickiness, this place will surpass it. And I thought, that's quite an endorsement. So what do you and Eli do to get those kinds of glowing reviews? What are the little touches or the things that you do that are extra special? I'm going to have to go find that review and use that quote for future marketing. That's a great one. So when we bought it, that was a number one principle for us. We wanted it to be clean. We wanted it to be a place you're comfortable, but we want you to know that coming in, that this is a place that's kept up, that not only are we preserving history, we we take cleanliness and sanitation to heart. We have extensive checklists and things that help us to do that. You know, I felt pretty fortunate actually when COVID hit we were already very well situated with all of our cleaning protocols. So we were able to just kind of keep on keeping on with a few additions in terms of that, those needs. But we work hard together. We're a small but mighty team. So it's Eli and I, and we now, we have one housekeeper that's part-time. All three of us work hard just to ensure that kind of everything's in its place. We get handmade soap from a local friend. That's one of our guest amenities. We always have cookies and things waiting for guests when they arrive. So in addition to the cleanliness aspect, we really just want it to be homey and you to feel like you can relax when you step in through the front door. Who bakes the cookies? I do most of the baking. Eli does cook though. So when we have when we have bigger groups, he does a lot of the cooking and then I do the hostessing and get to chit chat with guests. It's nice to have somebody making sure the quiche isn't burning while somebody else gets to talk up what winery people should go to. So we're a dynamic duo in that way. So what else do you bake? You bake the cookies, you bake quiche, you bake cinnamon rolls or breads for breakfast. 
Yep. Today we had pumpkin pecan bread. So a Ooh. lot of pumpkin stuff in the Ooh. fall. One of our go-to breakfasts is a baked apple cinnamon oatmeal, pancakes, buttermilk waffles. One of our other favorite breakfasts is a spinach and sweet potato scramble with chicken apple sausage. So we always try to have some kind of big good along with that. Brownies, scones, cookies in the afternoon of all different varieties. So I would say our go-to is chocolate chip. We actually use a recipe that we got from our grandmother. We swear it's the best chocolate chip recipe that is out there. And so that's the one we use (laughs) quite a bit. Oh, that sounds intriguing. (laughs) Do you do a lot of the cleaning as well? Yeah, we we do hope that our housekeeper does the majority of that. You know, the life of an innkeeper is that you're kind of on all the time. I bet. And it's easy to get overwhelmed and feel like, you know, there's. we also do all the bookkeeping, all the landscaping. We really do everything for the business. So we try to let our housekeeper do as much of the cleaning as possible. But Eli and I definitely get tapped to help out depending on how heavy of a turnover day it is. Well, and I'm guessing one of your many duties is to interact with the guests. We already said that you do that, but help them decide what they're going to do in the area. You are hitting on my favorite task of being an innkeeper. I feel like I just love where we live so much and very much a big part of our role as innkeepers is to be an ambassador of the community. And know surrounding areas as well and some of the great events and festivals and activities that there are to do. So we have a couple of our kind of standard questions that we ask guests in the morning that kind of helps assess, what do you want to do? And then we have lots of brochures and ideas and contacts out in the community so we we can direct them there. So what do you usually steer them toward? Biking or wine tasting or... That's a great question. You know, it's so interesting. Our clientele, a lot are associated with the university. So they're visiting parents that are coming in and kind of want to see where their student is going to live and want to go hiking or even explore what grocery stores are locally available for them. And then our other big clientele, and this is a growing industry for us, is wine tasting. So we have a very high percentage of guests that are coming in that want to go taste the amazing Willamette Valley wine that we have at our our fingertips. And within a 30-minute radius of the B&B, you can go to about 50 different wineries. Oh, so my. Lots available. And then cycling is also a major draw for this area. So a lot of people bring their bicycles. We're on the Trans-American bike route. So we sometimes get guests that don't know where they're going to be at different times. So some last minute guests that will roll in on their bicycle and need a place to lay their head. And often we can accommodate those guests as well. Well, the way I found you was I've always heard of the Wooden Shoe Tulip Festival. And I know it's in your area. I believe it's about 45 minutes from your guest house. That's correct. Yes. And this is one of our family's favorite local traditions. Someday I am coming and going, (laughs) coming and staying with you and going to the festival. Tell listeners how they would navigate that. The Wooden Shoe Tulip Festival, I think, is just, it's just beautiful. It is a spectacular sight. It feels like you are stepping into the Netherlands. I mean, there are just acres of tulips. Um, It is something that you do want to plan ahead for. 
They, during COVID, shifted to where you can buy tickets ahead of time. So that's something to definitely research for next year. And the dates for next year, they're generally around mid-March to the end of April. So it kind of depends on what type of weather we're having. So you'll definitely want to follow their social media, get on their website. It's not that expensive and you get to go and just roam the tulip fields and take beautiful photos Often in the mornings, we've never participated in this, but it's on my bucket list. They will have hot air balloons that lift off before sunrise. And then you get to watch the sunrise over the tulip fields. So that is definitely something that I would like to do. And there's usually a lot of kid activities. So different rides and events, bounce houses. So really fun for all ages. I even think that those with maybe some accessibility needs, there are still paths that you could be on to be able to take in the sights and the color and wonder of the Tulip Festival. Good to know. And then the peony gardens are not far from you. Yes. So the Wooden Chew Tulip Festival is in a community called Woodburn. Edelman Peony Gardens is just outside of Salem, so about 30 minutes from us. And this is something that we recently discovered just a couple years ago and is now another family tradition. So we always try to go to the Tulip Festival and the Peony Gardens every year. Again, just breathtaking. And I had no idea there were so many varieties of peonies. And that takes place for about six weeks in May and June. Is that correct? That's right. It usually kicks off kind of the end of April, beginning of May, and then goes to mid-June. I'd love to see that too. It is another one of those amazing photo ops. Just great. It's just a beautiful place to be and explore. We're fairly lucky. I, I, In addition to those, there's also an iris garden that's in Salem as well. A Dahlia Festival just north of us, about an hour. And then the Portland International Rose Garden is in Portland. So just a little over an hour, close to an hour and a half away. So you really can come and see beautiful blooms throughout your whole trip. Sounds like a great plan. When you are not running an inn or going to these lovely gardens, what do you like to do? Well, I would say, you know, my most important job is being a mom. So I'm pretty involved with my kids in terms of activities, going to soccer practice, being on the PTA. So that with the inn and then my kids stuff, that takes up a lot of <laughs> a lot of my sure. time, but definitely some of my favorite favorite things to do. And one other family thing that we do quite a bit is something called geocaching. And geocaching, if you're not aware... I'm not familiar with that. It's so amazing. You can get an app and it'll identify where you are in the world. And then this app will let you know where there are these little caches or hidden items that you can find, like a giant scavenger hunt. And it's really fun for all ages. And the cache or the thing you're looking for could vary from a peanut butter jar to an Altoid can to something that's a little more hidden, like a fabricated screw and nut on a light pole. So you really have to search for it. And then typically when you find that cache, there's a little log that you have usually a name for your family or or for yourself. And you sign the log to identify you found it. And then you move on to find another geocache. I've not heard of that. Maybe you could send me the name of the app and I can put that in the show notes for everyone. I would be happy to do that. I think it's just the geocaching app, but I'll definitely do some checking on that. But it is free. 
it's free to do it. I think there may be a cost associated with the app initially, but you, it's a great way to explore really wherever you are in the world. I feel like it helps you get out and see places that you might not normally see as you're on this hunt for whatever you're, you're trying to find and you meet people and just see sites that you might otherwise miss. How fun. <laughs> so where can people find you social media and website wise? So we do have a website and it's very easy. It's just www.mamaresguesthouse.com. And just a little shout out for Booking Direct. That's something you'll hear a lot of local, small, sorry, I should say small lodging partners talk about. It's a much better deal for you as the guest. And it's a much better deal for the business if you go directly to people's website. So I do encourage you to go to our website. You can book directly. It's very easy. You can see photos of all of our beautiful rooms. Check out our property. It has a lot of great information about things to do when you're here so you can start planning your trip. If you're not comfortable booking online, you can always give us a call as well. So easy to just Google and find our phone number. And then we are also on Facebook and Instagram, just at, at Mom Ayers Guest House. And we try to just share a lot about things to do, some highlights of our community, great restaurants, places to go. So that's a great place just to kind of get a, a sense as well of things you can do when you visit Mom Ayers Guest House. And I can put those links in the show notes also. Finally, I love to ask people about a recent new thing they've done or discovered, big or small. So do you have a new thing that you've done recently that you'd like to share with people? Yeah. So this kind of ties with the bed and breakfast as well. We, I am a big believer in trying new recipes. My, I joke, my family eats a lot of Brinner or breakfast for dinner because we're always trying out new things and I need to get feedback from all ages to see if it's going to be a hit. And one of the latest things we've tried is a lemon buttermilk pancake. And Ooh. I believe it's the best pancake I have ever had. And I have been told that by family members and also our guests. So come visit us. We will make you a lemon buttermilk pancake. But that's one of the latest new things that we've tried in our recipe repertoire. Sounds delicious. <laughs> Emily, thank you so very much. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on today. Well, thank you for having me. And I certainly hope we get to host you someday at the B&B or any of your listeners. We would certainly love to have you stay with us and then help you plan out an itinerary of all the wonderful things to do and see when you visit the Willamette Valley. We'd all love that. Well, that's it for today's show. A huge thank you to Emily for joining me. If you enjoyed this episode, and I hope you did, I hope you'll listen to other episodes and spread the word about this new show. A huge thank you to Brian at Top Tier Audio for his advice and guidance. And thanks to you for tuning in. And remember, I'd love to hear from you if you discover a fun new thing. My email is pam at whoimettoday.com. <laughs>